When the Me Too movement was prominently in the spotlight a few years ago, I was surprised by the amount of sexual assault stories there were from strangers and people that I knew personally. Stories ranging from groping to brutal and aggressive rape. But what a lot of people don't know is how so many women and even men have had a hard time figuring out how to cope through the pain of being a sexual assault survivor, and let alone how to help others get through that pain as well. But my guest today, Michaela Gordon, has used her platform and her music as a way to gradually heal and allow others the space to heal as well. You're listening to We Need to Talk. We need to talk. Michaela Gordon, thank you so much for being on We Need to Talk today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm really excited to talk with you. Um, obviously been following you for a while. We have many mutual friends. All of so them. I'm glad we finally get to sit down and, and have a one-on-one. I'm I really, love it. I'm really excited. Me too. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I'm proud of you too. Yeah. So it's mutual. Thank you. Mutual respect and love. Obviously, you started at a very young age, being in the spotlight. Many people know you from American Idol, which I won't say how long ago that was, because even when I looked back, I was like, what? I know. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. But, you know, starting in the industry at, at such a young age, what do you feel like some of the positive takeaways were? Because, I mean, I know we can talk about starting as a you know, child actor or child singer or whatever. You started in your teenage years in American Idol. What were the positive takeaways from that experience? saw my audition clip and I saw this clip where uh, I was trying to go from Hollywood to the top 24. And I said, if you send me home, Simon, you're taking me to prom. (laughs) And he was like, I'm not. And you are going to the next round. And there was such this vivaciousness and fearlessness and I wasn't afraid of anything Mm. and it wasn't because it was coming out of ego I actually posted this the day before the album release I had lost my legal guardian at the time the day Mm. before I was supposed to go do this audition and I was like I'm going to do this audition no matter what like I'm not gonna be let down like this and I made it on that stage and I was so just proud. And I had like known all these things that were happening internally. And, you know, I feel like I could have only done that young because I feel yeah. like as we get older, we become more unfortunately jaded or, or more realistic or more doubtful. And because I was so young, you really couldn't tell me anything. Like mm. I, I really was like, you all are great and I'm really great and I'm going to be great right now. And it was, it was just, it was such a different energy. And I think that like, I'm so grateful that I got to do it at that age because, um, I just made myself so proud. I love that because so often you actually hear that people should wait and that they're not ready when they're at that age. But I think it's just a testament to the type of personality that you are and the work ethic that you have. And also because you knew what you wanted to do. I think that makes a huge difference rather than kind of being thrown into it, maybe by your parents or whoever you're with at the time when you started a young age. So I think that's awesome that that's what you took away. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I think also it was more so out of survival. Like Mm. I wanted to get out of my situation and I wanted Mm. to have a better life and I wanted a better life for my brother. And I knew that. And I think that that's what it was for me. I was like, I'm going to do well in my life. I'm going to get out of here as fast as I can. And 
thank God I did because the, the, you know, look, we all come from dysfunction. My story is not new, but the longer you live in dysfunction, the longer you believe it and being able to get out at 16 and then follow my dream and then go back and like grab my brother. I got us out early enough Mm. before it was something that would feel like we're never going to have an opportunity to get out, you know? So it it was, you know, gutsy, but it was also like, it just was survival. It was survival. Absolutely. So from that moment up until now, obviously you've had quite the journey in your career and in your personal life. And I know that we all learn lessons through adversity and through hardship, but what has been one of the biggest lessons you've learned from that start in your career until now where you are? Ooh, I think the best lesson is just that my gut knows exactly what's going on and mm. whether or not I listen, I know, like I know, and I cannot listen to people. I mean, I can like professionals, like my therapist, like, oh, you need to listen to her. <laughs> um, I, but like, I will never, there will never come a time again where I would dim my light for somebody else that I will make myself smaller when I'm walking into a room. Um, and I think that that, because I did, because I did do that shortly after American Idol and I saw how that really affected me. And I saw then what played out in that part of my life. Right. And, um, so yeah, I think that's the lesson is just like one, my gut knows what's up. We all have that. I feel like, especially like women, like we really do, have Mm -hmm. we know but we've just been talked out of so much and gaslit so much that we gaslight ourselves you know and especially especially black women like I also still have privilege you know like but enough like enough stop it don't gaslight yourself you know you're not dumb yeah how have you seen the industry change in the years that you've been a singer and a performer? Um, You know, I think that when I wanted to be on American Idol, the goal was for like a record label. And that was the only way that you were going to have a career. And there wasn't- Well, that's what they sold to us back then, right? right? They made it seem that way for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I did, I signed with Randy Jackson and that was a big old flop. And um, we didn't have social media. We didn't have the same control. I was a very wild looking- 16 year olds um and they wanted like cookie cutter and they wanted um Mm. my personality to be a a little bit different or more um you know like not as outspoken or, or whatever and I think that what I love about this generation is that they're not waiting on anybody to give them anything like they will go on their little TikTok and say what you will but like they're not waiting for a casting director right. to cast them. They're not waiting for to, to do a 2 million person audience. Like they have figured out social media. They are finding their, you know, niche. And it's really taken a hit, I think, on the entertainment industry. If you see television isn't even on television anymore. It's all now being streamed. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what happened through social media, through the power yeah. of like the people. 
And social yeah, media can absolutely. be destructive as well. Don't get me right. wrong. Like we try to find the positive though. We yeah, really do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the ways that I've noticed you're using it a lot, which I do think, I think also artists from our generation, because we kind of grew up in that middle of having not social media and then having to figure out social media. We're yes. like in that weird limbo I hate area, it. right? I hate it. Um, but I think what I <laughs> hate it and love it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what I do love about what you've been doing, and I've seen a lot of artists specifically in our age range doing this is leaning more into that vulnerability and that authenticity. And I appreciate that because you start to realize that people are actually wanting to connect with that more as opposed to the past of the manufactured artists. Like you were saying, they wanted you to be that cookie cutter 16 year old, but you're like, that's not me. Like, I just want to be myself and whoever signs on board for that, that's who's meant to be my audience, Mm -hmm. right? So was it difficult for you to lean into that vulnerability as an artist as of late? Or did you think like, you know what, I'm just going to do it and see what happens? You know, it's interesting. Um, I think it was harder than I thought it was. You know, this is Mm. my first album. I'm 34 years old. Like I did stand-up comedy for almost seven years and Mm. I did hosting and I did things where I could show my personality and be funny because I think that I, I maybe I was, I was afraid to share my story in a vulnerable way through, you know, through music, through having to really be honest if you're going to do it in a different way than with comedy. And and I I can be very self-deprecating. I can make you laugh with comedy, but this one, I might have to really look at you and go, okay, here's what happened. Or like, here's where we're at. Um, but when my grandmother died in 2020, April of 2020, I, um, who the album is named after mm-hmm. I hit my rock bottom. Like there was no, there was no coming back. Like I was like, it felt like everything I'd ever held in so tight was like unraveled, shattered. It even got so painful that I was like, I don't even know if I want to be here anymore. Like mm. I, it was just a lot. And, um, and I, and I did, I was very destructive for a couple of months and then I decided that I didn't want to be. And so then I did start asking for help and we did start writing this album. And I just thought my grandma's death was sort of a rebirth for me. And it was sort of like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to come back and I don't want to be like in pain. These are stories that people, um, have one of which being sexually abused. And, um, I don't feel like keeping these secrets anymore. Yeah. I love that you're also using music as the way, I mean, obviously music's been a huge part of your life, but I think that that's one of the powerful things of music is that people can find songs to relate to and express maybe words that they wouldn't have in any way. So I think that specifically with the lead single, off of your album, which is Vivian, that you named after your grandmother, which I think is so touching. But you had a lead single, it's called Hands Off, correct? Yes. And that you really drew on your own personal story of being a survivor. So what what was the process of one, creating the song, but also making the choice to be open about that aspect of your life? Because it does take a lot for survivors to finally come forward. And I think people don't realize that it doesn't matter how long it may have happened, how, you know, in the past, when you make that decision, 
it's your decision, right? So what led you to want to make the decision to be forward about that and then write a song about it to empower other women? Um, you know, your voice is like so beautiful and soothing that it almost like just makes me emotional. I'm just like, oh my God, I can just listen to you. I'm just going to start crying. <laughs> but that's what I like to do anyway. Um, you know, I, it happened uh, almost 15 years ago. I mean, mm. it happened a long time ago. And I never thought that I'd say anything. I didn't feel like I, I for a long time thought that I deserved it. I didn't really have enough confidence to know the difference. I didn't tell anybody. I felt so much shame. And um, it was when I had to start going to therapy and I told the therapist what happened and I kind of just rambled over it. And she goes, I'm sorry, can you just, can you say that again? Like, can you just slow down and say and I went to say it and I like lost it. And it was so clear mm. in that moment that like, oh, this has affected me my whole life. And somebody I love very, very much in this whole entire world was um, also sexually abused and was very afraid to say anything. And that made me so mad and so sad that really kind of through the love of this other person, I was like, enough, like enough. This isn't, I'm not, why are we as humans holding and suppressing what happened to us? It happened yeah. to us. I have a five-year-old niece. Like I don't play when it comes to her. I think it was really the love for my people that helped me go, okay, if we're going to be honest on the album, let's talk about it. Yeah. And so we did start writing it and um, it was never supposed to be the lead single. Um, but when Roe v. Wade overturned, I felt like, I just feel like as women, we just still don't have as many freedoms as we deserve. And then you open that up to a, a, a whole community, to our to non-binary, to to our trans brothers who still need those things, to you know, to just such a community of people that are not being yeah. protected still. And it was yeah. like it became bigger and it was like hands off everything, like get your hands off of me, get your hands off of like our community, you know, get your hands off women. Yeah. Like we birth you, like, what are you <laughs> doing? Uh, it's, it's interesting because I've had that thought so many times and it, unfortunately flipping it that way and saying like, you wouldn't want this to happen to your mother. You wouldn't want this to happen to your daughter. Why can't, you know, the perpetrators and the abusers think in that mindset and you just, I don't know why. I just don't know why that's never at the forefront of their mind. You know, I will say, and it was something that I had to come to terms with because I couldn't come to terms with it. Um, somebody had pointed out that those predators truly are dealing with a mental illness and it's not mm. to make an excuse because trust me, I would trust them all out if I could, like I would never make excuses, Right. but you have to be mentally ill in order to do any type of harm that way. And oftentimes yeah. they were harmed that way. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, whereas like I wanted to seek revenge on every single person and burn everyone's house down, I wanted to um, maybe just be a little tiny part of just the healing generationally. So like my niece never experiences that, you know, and our children don't experience that. And, you know, where are you with forgiveness in regards to your own personal experience? Well, do you want to know the truth or do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're open book here. So as honest as you, as you feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me. Yeah. I imagine so. I imagine so. It's hard for me. And I'm because of circumstances am reminded every day what happened by a simple drive that I take to get to a destination I need to get to. Um, I feel like what bothers me the most is that it's this whole statute of limitations. Mm. Like you finally build up enough courage to say something. And then they're like, sorry, babe, nothing we can do. It's too late now. And if you do say, you know, cause a lot of people said, are you ever going to say who did it? Just say who did it will I be sued for defamation of character? Like, what does that look like? Like, there's just so many things where it's like, I don't want money. I don't want anything. I just want justice. Like, I just want this person to be held accountable, you know, because it, it harmed so much of my life. And so many people feel that way. And to be shut down by statute of limitations. It, it is truly one of the most frustrating things. I can only imagine. And I think that that's why there's such a stigma surrounding survivors coming forward because you shouldn't have to go through this checklist. Okay. Well, if I speak up, is this person going to believe me or is this person now going to be mad at me or how is my image going to be changed? But I was the one that was hurt. Why am I all of a sudden the person that's causing drama or causing a problem? And I think that, I, I never have never understood the statute of limitations because if you were harmed physically, you should be able to arrest and get justice at any point in your life. Right. Yeah. But yeah. What is the statute of limitations specifically? Did I'm assuming it was in California or you're from Vegas though. Yeah, it was in California. It was here in Los Angeles and it was, they did make it smaller, like for minors, if you're a minor, Mm -hmm. when it happened, you can still go. Uh, for justice, mm-hmm. but I believe it's 10 years and mine was 15. Yeah. And, um, you know, it also says just to validate any man or woman that's listening to this 15 years ago, we didn't have the Me Too movement. Like yeah. we didn't have all of these like amazing people speaking up. Like we, there, we were not like the misogyny was, real and that was for somebody me who's had a little bit of fame and is white and is like I mean do women of color they're not gonna say anything right you're not protected like and 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 it wasn't like that and so I I'm grateful that the Me Too movement happened and people feel like they can be heard now and we can have songs written like hands off but 
there is an entire generation who will never feel validated in what happened to them because of of it being just such a different time. Yeah, that's really interesting you say that. And that also goes back into the power of social media because, of course, Me Too would have never happened had it not been for social media. And I definitely felt comforted by that movement because now so many people did have a network outside of maybe even their small circle of people that they trusted, you know, coming forward to. But now they could read all these other stories and just be validated in their experience. And as hard as it is to go through something like that, I think that is one of the beautiful things that has happened for women in the last decade, right? Being yeah. able to have a network and, and men too, whoever has experienced that, but just being able to have a network of people that you're like, okay, I'm not alone. Someone else has gone through this. Someone else has experienced that. But going back to the fact that there weren't those networks and those movements back, you know, the last 10 years, what were you able to, or who were you able to um, go to for strength to kind of get through this experience? Um, I didn't, I didn't. Mm. And it's not because it wouldn't have been there if I asked for it, which I know now. Um, It was a different time. And I just, I had felt like, I had heard so many times, well, what did you say? Well, what did you wear? Well, what did you do? Well, what did you? And because I did have such a big personality on American Idol at such a young age, a lot of those Bible Belt states, they really shamed me. And I never forgot that. And Mm. when I did end up having this situation happen, I didn't forget it then either. And I think that, (sighs) I'm so sorry. It's so late. Oh no, it's fresh. It's raw. I know. And I, I just, I have to say that I appreciate you using your voice now to talk about it because I don't think that you understand the position that you're in to help so many other people by coming forward, by releasing this song, by sitting down and having this conversation with me. So no matter how emotional you get, you're making me tear up too. It is so important that you are at a place to be able to share. And I promise you, you are helping somebody right now. Well, thank you so much. I hope so. You know, I just, I didn't have anybody when I needed somebody and I didn't know how to ask. And so I, I don't care about this album. I don't care about bops. I don't care about a label. I just, oh God, it just makes me cry. Yeah. I just don't ever want somebody to feel like they don't, they're not being heard. Yeah. Because yeah. being silenced, I think hurts more than the actual act. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think also people being complicit in it, right? And questioning your part when you're a victim. I think that that definitely hurts more because if you are getting to a place of like, okay, I'm going to break down my walls, I'm going to come forward and talk to somebody, and then you get shut down, I can only imagine the pain that, that that must, you know, hold inside of you. So again, I'm just, I'm grateful for you being vulnerable and being open because I think 
who you are as a human being, you're just this beautiful light. And I think being able to share your story with people that look up to you, people that have been following you since you were on American Idol, you are truly helping people. And I love the song also. It's like a jam. (laughs) Yes, good. Well, you know, we wanted it to be like that because I was like, I don't want it to be like sad girl song. Like I want it to be like- I love that approach. Yeah. Hands off. And you know, my niece, she's- also, thank you for, I, I feel a bit overwhelmed and I feel um, grateful for your words and I um, take them and I hear them deeply and I don't really know how to take them. So I'm mm-hmm. uncomfortable <laughs> and I love you um, and thank you. But, you know, I will say my six-year-old niece, um, my sister-in-law called me yesterday and she goes, oh, girl, Natalia said, Keep your hands off the queen and keep your hands off of me. Yes. And she was moving her little <laughs> finger around. And I go, oh my God, that's my baby. That's my girl. Yeah. And I called my producer and I said, she's singing it. And he goes, I don't think you know like what that means. Like the babies now that are hearing this song and remembering the words, it's being planted keep your hands off of me, keep them off of me. And I was like, if that's not the most rewarding thing that I've ever experienced in my life. I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. You know, that's why you do it. That's That's why we do it. What you do. That's why you do the music. That's why you did the song. So you're, you're, you're making waves and, and making an impact. And I think that that's one of the most beautiful and important things that as artists, we can do, right? You got to use your music and your voice for something. So I love that you're using it for that and you're choosing to be a voice for survivors. But on top of that, you also are a very vocal voice for the LGBTQ community. You're also a host for Channel Q with one of my very good friends, AJ. I absolutely adore him. I love that you guys do that show together. And so being a voice for the LGBTQ community as well in, in the journey that you've had, what was that like coming into terms with your identity and, and being out about that as well? You know, that's a whole other interesting situation. Um, first of all, I love AJ. Um, I'm so happy that he's my my guy on that show. Couldn't have asked for a better coach. I know, right? I know. That's my bestie. <laughs> that's my guy. Um, you know, it's really, that whole part is very interesting. And the song El Wego on the album really talks about that part of my life. Um, because... You know, when I came out, like I didn't do a whole coming out. Like I didn't care really what anybody thought of me. Um, I had dated men, I had dated women. And I really, I generally only identify as lesbian because I feel like in the past men have thought that was an invitation by saying like I'm bisexual Mm. and disrespected my relationship. And that's kind of what happened in how Alwego was birthed. After my grandmother passed away, she was very Italian, very Catholic. And he was trying to send me, we've been friends for years and he was trying to send me his regards in, uh, in regards to my grandmother and in turn ended up really in the darkest moment of my life, trying to make an opportunity to like be with me and make it like a religion thing and being like, oh, well, your grandma, she was so Catholic. Don't you think you should be like straight? Don't you think, you know, it was just the war of like religion and being a part of the community and how Mm. it's so weaponized. And it's like, oh, don't you want to have like an easier life, like a normal life? Like, don't you want to like, 
you know, for your grandma, like for, for your Catholic family. And um, it was so manipulative and it was so gross. Mm. And it was something that it bothers me for our community that religion and God have ever been used against us. Yeah. When, I mean, think about, I want people to think about hearing, well, you're going to go to hell. Mm, God doesn't like that. And all you're trying to do is be the best person you know how, love God with all of your heart or whatever religion you were raised with, be kind to your partner. Like the whole religion and homosexuality is something that I just cannot wrap my brain around. And that's why also it was the only English Spanish song on the album because we wanted to go all the way back Latin biblical and be like enough, like, yeah, this is not a war anymore. And that man did try to use that on me in a very dark time. And thankfully my grandma was like, I don't think so, (laughs) you know, from heaven. She was like, no, no, but yeah, it's, um, that's something that I've always had a big issue with. It's a big issue in our community. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people that share that story. Yeah. I, I mean, I obviously co-sign with that and being, I, I've always been a Christian. I've always been a progressive Christian. So I personally actually never understood that stance from the, from religion because at base, my whole thing with, with God and Jesus is like, love people and love God. That's all you're supposed to do. Yeah. That's all you're supposed to do. That's not supposed to be any judgment. And like, I don't understand seeing two people of the same gender, same sex, whatever, love each other, how that's an issue. Yeah. So it just doesn't compute in my mind. And I've always been an advocate for the LGBTQ community and I, can, and I will continue to be so, but it does frustrate me how people use words that are supposed to be meant as a guide and, and, and a way to live in a positive light as a weapon to hurt people. Because yeah. that's not of God, right? We always say God is love. How is that loving? And so it's very frustrating. So I'm glad that you were like, no, 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 no. And your grandma sounds like she was just a spitfire. Listen, Vivian Cavaricci <laughs> was my baby. And I will say this, you know, I, um, this is a very big, big story, but my mother came out um, to my family when she was like 16 and they mm. disowned her and they were like, no, we're Italian Catholic. No. Um, so my mom didn't have that lifestyle. When I came out to my grandma, I knew that that's what I was up against. My grandma was my favorite person. I was very nervous. So I sat her down and I said, "Um, listen, I'm in love with somebody and I want you to meet them. And she said, well, what's his name? And I go, her name is Lisa. And Mm. she said, well, do you love her? And I said, I do love her. And, um, she, oh God, I just cry all the time when I talk about this. I'm sorry. No, no, she don't apologize. Said, take me to the mall. So we went to the mall. We drove to JC Penny, and because that's where we like to go. I love it. And <laughs> <laughs> she went and looked at all the crucifixes, like the Catholic crosses. And so she found one and she we bought it and we got into the car. And um the next time that she met Lisa, she said, here, I got this blessed by my priest and I wanted to give this to you to welcome mm. you to our family. Oh, wow. And look, she was 90 years old. 
and she was so obsessed with her religion, but she learned what it did to her daughter and she didn't do it to me. And she was very good to Lisa until she passed away. And if it wasn't for Lisa, I would have never made my grandmother's bedside to lay with her before she passed. So, you know, it's like, there are, there's just so many moments that you experience and you feel. And when it came to my grandma, she was, she was a spitfire. She had a hard life and she did her best. But it sounds like she left so many beautiful memories with you. And I love that you were able to be with her. I love that. And I remember you shared that story on, um, on Instagram, being able to be with her by her bedside. So hold on to that because that is incredibly special. And there's no doubt in my mind that she is beyond proud of you. And uh, she had a hand in writing the album, right? Yeah, she did. You know, just, yeah. just her presence and what she was in your life. So hold on to that. And I'm I'm really watching you because I, I, I definitely remember you on American Idol for sure. And I, talking to you now, it's it's really beautiful to see the growth, not even knowing you personally until recently, but it's really beautiful to see the growth in you as an artist and as a human being. And mm-hmm. I hope that people recognize that and hear it in the album. And I think that that's one of the, the most important things. For you though, when people do listen to the album, what do you want them to take away? Uh, you know, I'll just say an email, a DM that I got a couple days ago that I feel like summed up everything. Um, This beautiful little human being said, I just feel so seen. I feel like Mm. when I was little, my story was hands off and I'm currently going through my El Wego right now. And I hope to get to my good girl, but strange was really hard for me at this age. And it was as if the music validated their timeline in their life and they said you know I've been waiting for this record from you for a really long time and this is the record that I needed right now and I don't there's nothing more that I want than that like when I get these women these beautiful incredibly brilliant women and they're like I'm not ready to tell my story yet but thank you for hands off And I'm like, Mm. I got you, you know, or I had a hard time with my parents, but I love them. So thank you for strange. And it's just like, they get it. They get it. We get it. I love it. I love it. I'm so proud of you. Can you let everyone know where they can pick up your album and also where they can follow you on social media to keep up with everything you're doing? Of course, you can stream it on all platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Tidal, you can follow me uh, on Instagram at Michaela Gordon or go to my website, MichaelaGordon.com. And this is an exclusive. We have new <laughs> merch coming out. It says, We're the Witches You Can't Burn. From Love it. Hands off. That'll be on the website. And a portion of the proceeds will go to Rain, um, which will be something very exciting in a way to sort of honor all sexual abuse victims. Um, so yeah, it'll be ready. Wonderful. Michaela Gordon, thank you so much again. Thank you so much, Queen. And to the listeners, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. And join us next week for another episode. We can talk about-